Hey friends, you're listening to episode 8 of The Sweet 201. Today, we have another special treat in store. Today, you're going to get the opportunity to peer into the heart and soul of the one and only John Colburn. We love John around here. He is, in so many ways, Grace Fellowship. The way that he and his wife, April, have given of themselves and served our church family um, has blessed us tremendously. And we thought you'd enjoy the opportunity to get to know him a little bit better on what we're calling the John Colburn episode. We love John. Personally, John has made a tremendous difference in my life, really helping uphold me in unique and special ways in the process of planting and pastoring Grace Fellowship. So enjoy. Is it on? It looks like it. What? Are you ever eager to be behind the scenes of your church? To know what Grace's leadership is thinking about, burdened about, or talking about? Maybe the things we're planning for, praying for, and hoping for. Have you ever wondered these things? If so, welcome to the Sweet 201 Podcast, which is your chance to go behind the scenes into the very heart and soul of Grace's leadership team. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to episode eight or nine of the Sweet 201 Podcast. I'm here with my friend, Laurel Schwears. Laurel, can you say hi to our listeners? Hey, listeners. And the one and only, the man who needs no introduction, Mr. John Colburn. I am here. <laughs> Guys, uh, we've received so much good feedback from the episode we did, the Ethan Smith episode, and we thought it would be appropriate to follow that episode at some point with what we're going to call the John Colburn episode. Mm-hmm. John is a man who certainly needs no introduction around Grace Fellowship. Um, I guess in many ways, he is the second longest standing member of Grace Fellowship, (laughs) although he and I are tied because we were members of the thing called Grace Fellowship before it was a thing. So all that to say, John and his wife, April, have been um, really involved at our church from before the beginning. Before we called it that. Yeah, and and, and John worked. He was kind of given to Grace Fellowship as an intern from our Sending Church Redeemer. Uh, they hired me, Joel, on to plant a church, but then they gave me a person to help me do it. And John has been a gift from God to me in ways that I cannot even explain. And uh, I have been hungry for a chance for you guys to get to know him a little bit better. So this is the John Coburn episode. By the way, we're sweating in here in our office. It's like 93 degrees in here. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, anyway... Uh, AC problems tend to follow us, as we said a couple weeks ago. So, uh, the John Coburn episode. John, we're going to get to know you. How do you feel about this? I have been told that uh, (laughs) podcasts were basically engineered for me because I have been known to talk for 30 minutes into a wall if necessary. And maybe if someone wants to listen, they're welcome to. So, um, I might have been designed for a podcast, but uh, uh, we'll see if you can kind of temper some of that just to get people what they need to hear. We are going to call this the Caveat Coffee Hot Seat, mm. so we're going to... That, that's not true. Caveat's not actually sponsoring the segment, but if Caveat, if you're Maybe listening, we'd be open for you to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, some ice vanilla lattes would be perfect right now. Uh, John, just tell us a little bit about um, the very, very early days. John, where are you from? Um, how did you make it to Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah, so I, I was born, actually, in Tupelo, Mississippi. My family lived in Corinth. 
but before, while I was really young, uh, my mother and I moved to Marietta, Georgia, where we lived with my grandparents for a couple of years, uh, just outside of Atlanta. Um, so my mom was a teacher and my grandparents were both educators as well. So uh, my grandfather had just retired when we moved in with them. So I spent the first three or four years of my life watching reruns on the History Channel. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, non-stop. <laughs> I mean, that explains it. I have watched... It all I makes have, sense now. Yeah, I have watched the Allies climb up onto Normandy Beach before I was five, at least 45 times. Um, <laughs> and George Beggs would be very, very proud of that. That's my grandfather. Um, so that, those were the early days, and I went to elementary, middle, and high school in Marietta, Georgia. Uh, went to college at the University of Alabama, actually. Um, that's how I got in the great state of Alabama and met a lot of people there. The Lord uh, really moved uh, around me to surround me with peers and mentors uh, in the faith and um, really shaped a lot of my life and my years at, at the University of Alabama. And my college pastor, who was a big part of that, was actually a graduate from Beeson Divinity School. And so uh, he recommended to me when I was considering looking into seminaries that Beeson would be a place that I would consider. Uh, so I ended up in, in Birmingham at Beeson Divinity School back in 2014, and that's when I walked through the doors of Redeemer Community Church. So step by step, I've ended up here. So when did you walk through the doors at Redeemer Community Church and happen to gaze across the room and see uh, <laughs> someone who was known as April Christine Smitherman? Yeah, your cousin. Actually. It happens to be my first cousin. This is a good time to tell the listeners of Grace Fellowship in the Suite 201 that uh, everyone's actually related to one another around Grace Fellowship. <laughs> that's a joke. We're not. That's cool. Pretty big joke. But, but you all actually are related. But, but April and I are really our first cousins. So John, at some point, gazed across the room and saw my cousin April, who I mm-hmm. have known her whole life and loved more than I can even explain. And here comes John Colburn taking a look at her. Like, Tell us how you, how you met April and how you... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so Redeemer was, uh, I started in the summer of 2014 after moving up here from Tuscaloosa and, uh, Redeemer was trying out a new thing that they called a new person dinner, uh, where they would bring new people who were visiting the church, uh, over to, uh, Joel Brooks's house to hear a history of the church. And can, we, can we just stop and look at John and how happy he is just telling the story? Yeah. His He's little, got like a his, little glow. And his little beard hairs are starting to curl up on him. <laughs> Just, just talking about April. So, yeah, they are. Um, so, uh, for whatever reason, we weren't able to do it at Joel Brooks's house that night. Too many people had signed up. And so we moved it to the sanctuary, and they had had wine and cheese uh, at the sanctuary for, like, oh, new person dinner. every good story starts. And, and I, uh, I was there, and I, I met a woman from the church who had come to uh, meet a lot of the new people in the congregation, which will surprise no one who knows April Smitherman Colburn. Uh, because she's always been drawn to people who are new in a place and helping them feel welcome and at home. And so she was there of her own accord, not in a deacon role or any level of responsibility, but just to get to know new people at her church. And uh, so we met then. um, And three weeks later, when I was placed into a home group, it happened to be in Brian and Christina Kennedy's home group. And when I walked through the door, there April was. And so that's how we met. We spent the next two years in home group together, uh, even before we began to date. Um, I went off to Boston uh, one of my summers while I was in seminary, and when I was up there, I remember uh, there was a pastor in Boston named Matt Owens. Some of you may know him. He used to be at Cobb Park. He's a Beeson grad himself, and I was working alongside him 
uh, at a local church plant um, in, in North Boston, just across the river. And Matt, when he had done his internship at the very same church while he was at Beeson, uh, had met his beautiful wife, Naomi, uh, and had returned to Boston to do ministry there because that's where Naomi lived. So Matt kind of got it in his head that if he could introduce me to a woman who lived in Boston, that there was a decent chance that when I finished my time at Beeson, I might come and do ministry in that area. But it was not to be. It was not to be. He introduced me to a few women uh, in Boston, and I realized that uh, I was thinking about how none of them were like April. Mm -hmm. And um, that made me realize that if I'm going to sit around and talk about how no one's quite like April, maybe I should just date her. <laughs> uh, it took me a long time to get through that thick head of mine that that made a lot of sense. And um, so uh, by the end of that year, we had started dating and we were engaged by the next summer. That's awesome. Laura, I have lots of questions. Does any pop into your head that you want to ask? Uh, you go ahead. Um, you guys know John to be a extremely thoughtful guy. He's a very clear thinker. That's one of the most fun things about working with him is whenever you have to solve a problem or even kind of get your mind around an idea, John's the guy you just definitely want to have in the room with you. Um, and I'm going to ask you something similar to what I asked Ethan. Just as a, as a student of Scripture, mm-hmm. um, as a person who thinks deeply about Christian theology, as a person who thinks deeply about the work of ministry, um, what is something that's just kind of lodged in John Colburn's mind and heart that you just find yourself thinking out? thinking about and thinking out loud about just all the time what's mm. what's what's the thing right now just occupying your hearts and minds attention yeah i think there's a lot of things that kind of come quickly uh to me that i, I want to spend a lot of time thinking and talking about but when i i kind of look back over the last four or five years and hopefully my future ministry i think something that i find really beautiful and really intellectually compelling is what jesus christ is doing within his church um this idea that of all the different ways that God could use what he accomplished in Jesus Christ to bring about the redemption of everything that is and reconcile all of creation to himself, that he picked this thing. A bunch of people set free from their sin by Christ's work on the cross and instructed to serve as one another's family, to direct one another to worship, to lead one another to imitate Christ, and to take that gospel message around the world. And that that would be described as the joy set before Jesus Christ. That he loves his church so deeply. That of all the different ways, he could just, in person, appear to every person ever and be like, hey, I'm Jesus, and I've come to save you from your sins. And that seems so much more simple and so much more direct, but but out of his great love for us and his great joy in his church, he picked this thing. And in his perfect wisdom, this is the thing. This is the thing. And, 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 and I remember sitting down and thinking about the fact that that means that I sit in a giant unbroken line of people from the very disciples themselves who heard it from Jesus' mouth of one person telling one person telling one person telling one person and discipling that person up into the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, That the church has existed in an unbroken line from Peter, James, and John to me. Um, And that that will continue until Jesus Christ comes back. And that we can all trace... Our, our, our lineage, not only biologically, but spiritually in the Lord. Um, and that's out of great, Jesus' great love and compassion for us. So mm-hmm. when I look at the New Testament, I just, I think the most interesting and exciting concept is that 
Jesus, having finished his earthly ministry, has now dispatched something called a church to bring about all these things before he returns. Mm -hmm. And I find that forever we're thinking about and talking about the implications of what the church is supposed to be doing within itself, what the church is supposed to be saying to the world, and how the church is supposed to be caring for each other and working together. Is, uh, those are all incredibly interesting questions to me, and I could spend hours reading and thinking about them. Can I work with a metaphor right here? Please. Here, here's something I kind of envision as I hear John saying all that. Like if, if Grace Fellowship is a fire in a fireplace, you know, the embers are glowing. Um, it has been lit by the power of God's spirit. It's kind of burning. You know, John's the, the person at our church who's responsible to take that little... Mm-hmm that little thing and flap it up and down to blow. The, the bellows. The bellows, that's what it's called. Like the little, I don't know if you guys in your fireplace had one of these <laughs> things, but you, I'm doing a motion right now with my hands. It's like a, you, you pump the thing to blow air to make those those coals Heat burn hotter and to make the fire be warmer. You know, that's really John's role at Grace is to take what's kind of there and, and blow some oxygen onto it mm-hmm. um, and really support and nurture the congregational life at our church, and he does such a good job of that. And as you can hear, that's coming really central out of his very heart and soul. It's, John's a wholehearted guy, a full-hearted guy. So it's not like it's not like he just needed a job and we gave him one, and he does this thing. But his role really comes out of the heart and soul of who he is. Um, I think that's wonderful, John. You do such a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question, and I, it's a, again a question I asked Ethan, which I think I'd like to hear from you is. It's Friday night. Mm. The, the job is done. There's nothing more you need to do for grace. You don't even have any personal errands to do. Like, you don't have to go get your tires changed. But you have some free time on an evening to yourself. Mm. How does John Colburn spend those hours? Gosh. We want to know. Well, there's a lot of different directions I feel like this could go. Uh, if I'm in Colorado, I'm fly fishing. Okay. Uh, that that is. But if I'm not in Colorado, let's just I'm, yeah. Let's say you're not. If I'm at my house, um, then I would like to spend it possibly playing chess. I really <laughs> enjoy chess. I, I like to play. Um, John's a strategist. You yeah, know, I like to play uh, chess and 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 other puzzle type games. That's fun for me. Um, I would love to just sit out on my porch with my dog and my wife and read a book and um, maybe have a nice glass of scotch and watch people walk through our neighborhood and talk to our neighbors as they come by. Um, I think that's uh, pretty perfect Friday night in a lot of ways for me. Um, It doesn't have to be much more involved than that. He's a simple man. Simple, that's, what, that's what I was saying. He's just a simple guy. That's why we love him. We need him around here between the two of us. That's right. Um, you know, we could spend hours talking about sports analytics because that's a real passion of John's. Oh, and yeah. How, how he secretly thinks Chris Paul's maybe the best NBA player of all time. I, I've never said that. <laughs> I, just, I just said everyone else underestimates how good he is. Laura, would you want to wrap us up by adding anything to the mix here? Any questions you want to know or you just want to... Say something to encourage your old pal here. Oh, man. I probably get teary-eyed. Um, John has just been one of the greatest gifts to me. Um, I'll never forget when I was interviewing at Grace. I didn't really know anyone. And I remember Joel was like, I want you to meet John Colburn. Like, if this is what you're going to do, you're going to be working with him. And 
I just remember we had such a great conversation in here and it was just kind of an immediate connection and I knew that we could be friends and I think that's just been one of the sweetest gifts to me is that we don't just work together um, and do tasks together to make things happen but we the Lord and John has just given me such a sweet friend um, who is kind and gracious to me and encouraging and dependable um, yeah I just <laughs> am just so thankful I know more of who the Lord is and his goodness to me I think because of John and how he shows that to me and um, John is never too busy for me um, he'll always stop and listen and um, I'm just really grateful for that I can't imagine having a better teammate to do this job with and um, I have a lot of joy in my job and the work that I do because of John and being able to do that alongside of him and um, I'm just really thankful for that um, makes me want to be better and um, be a better friend, be a better listener. Um, John's one of the hardest working people I know and that challenges um, me. So yeah, it's just such a joy um, and really, really thankful for Thanks, it. Thanks a lot. Amen to that. And the thing I would just say is something I've said uh, multiple times to John and to, in front of others, but I'll say it to the wider audience here is, man, at the end of the day, you just there's just not a better person that you want to go into some kind of battle with than John. Mm -hmm. And John and I have gone into a lot of battles because planning a church is a battle. And we've gone into some battles together and we have taken some wounds <laughs> and we have died on hills actually and been resurrected again to fight another day. But uh, at the end of the day, um, I just I just want John there to work it out. And uh, there's no one finer that I can imagine uh, to just take those lumps with me and to press on and to conquer new lands and to, in general, just see the good things that Jesus is doing among us. Um, John and I are proof that he has hidden treasure in jars of clay um, so that uh, it's very clear to everyone that the power belongs to him and not to us. And when you work alongside someone that you can just do all that with, man, this is a great joy. Mm -hmm. So we love you, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for giving you time to uh, let us just see into your heart and soul a little bit. Guys, John is uh, available to you. Um, he is a really good and thoughtful minister of the gospel who would love to help you in any way that he can. And uh, I commend him to you. And uh, I want to thank you guys for just listening to uh, the John Colburn episode of The Sweet 201. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. You guys want to want to sign off to our listeners? See you next time. Can't wait. Okay, bye. Thanks, folks, for listening to The Sweet 201. For more information about Grace Fellowship, visit us on the web at gracebham.org. Sweet 201 is produced by The Manifold Group. The creative director and editor of The Sweet 201 is yours truly, Joel Busby. The Sweet 201 is mixed and edited by Laurel Schwears. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.